Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. Today, I'm going to share a really great story with you all. Today, we have Deacon Kelly and his wife, Maureen Stone, on the podcast with their daughter, Elizabeth Burkhardt. So this is really fun because I have many people on the podcast all at once, but it's also really fun because the whole family, well, I should say almost the whole family is formed in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. And so they are here to share with us their story of how they got involved and then how that has affected their work in other ways. I hope you enjoy. Well, today I have the at least part of the Stone family here with us on the podcast to share with us their story of how they got involved in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Welcome, Stone family. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. I'm yes, so thank excited. You. We have three different people on the podcast today. So this is a first, and I'm really excited to kind of navigate these new waters. So how about um, Maureen, how about you tell us how you got involved in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Okay. Well, I had been a catechist in a traditional religious ed program in every parish we had ever been in since we'd gotten married. Mm-hmm. And in the late 90s, I went to a homeschool conference in Olathe, Kansas. And a woman stood up and did the Good Shepherd presentation. Mm. And it touched my heart in such a profound way. I had never heard it even though I'd heard it every year, right? But Mm -hmm. I never really heard it until I was at that conference and I had never seen anything like it and um, had been kind of searching, I guess, going, how do we we help spread our faith in a way that's meaningful? And then she also showed us the um, topography map. And I went home and went, I have to find this. I, I have to figure out how to do mm. this. And it was a, a snowstorm. And so I didn't get to stay and like visit because the people that we were writing with, you know, were in a hurry to get back and um, were from Iowa. And um, I eventually was at a wedding when one of the people said, there's going to be a training in Winterset, Iowa. And that was 20 years ago. And um, I was able to take the training and my life has been forever changed. Mm. I one of my first experiences with the work, the woman was presenting me good the Good Shepherd presentation as well, and she was bawling while she was <laughs> presenting the work. And I remember thinking, wow, this really opened up a lot for you. <laughs> it's just so amazing how, th- I think it's the pace, honestly, because it lets uh-huh. things sit and percolate. So that's really beautiful that it, it moved you to such a core. I love that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So then who got involved in the work next? Elizabeth. Yeah, so I was I was next and I just um observed I think how much my mom was drawn to the work mm-hmm. and loved the work. And I had already I think been assisting her with um the first communion class that she was leading at our parish. Uh, So I kind of already had some experience working with children. And I said, I think I want to take this training. Uh, Do you think that they would let me? Because I knew that it was um, something that, you know, I was, 
I think I was 12 when, when I first asked, um, and then 13 by the time I started training. But I knew that it was for adults, you know, that the training was, you know, my mom was going to this training with uh, several other adults. And Mm -hmm. so my mom, uh, having already adopted the, you know, Montessori philosophy, she, she followed, uh, my request and my interest. And she just asked, um, and I was given permission to, uh, take the training. And so, I took level one training, started uh, when I was 13, and then ended up taking levels two and three uh, and finished level three training just after I graduated from high school. Oh, wow. Wow. So how was that for you being a teenager in the formation? Like looking back now as an adult, would you still choose that for yourself? I would. I know so many people come to this work for the first time when they have young children, Mm -hmm. which is a a beautiful time to come to the work. It's also a challenging time to come to the work because it's hard to to, uh, get away for training when you have little ones. And so now I am I think even more grateful than <laughs> than I was at the time for having the opportunity when I did, right. um, and and not everyone is is called to it at that young age. It's a rigorous training, uh, and I was really welcomed by the other trainees and by the trainers, and encouraged to to continue. And I'm really glad that I did. And and now, you know, I would really like to go on and and get toddler training. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just I'm glad that I was able to to complete the training that I did at such at such a young age, which I think is, you know, much to the credit of. uh, Well, first of all, my mom for just being willing to even ask. uh, Mm -hmm. And then those who said, you know, yes, as long as, you know, she can really keep up with the coursework. And so I I will say that, and I think every catechist experiences this, when you've gone through training, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, uh, or even sometimes two years ago, and you think, I really want to go back and audit a training. So I have audited level one uh, at least two times since then, and would really like to be able to go back and audit level two and three. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's kind of that's kind of in my in my works for this in the works for this year is to be able to to audit level three. But I, I don't even know if that's if that's because I was so young or just because every catechist wants to go back and audit, you know, and get a refresher course after yeah. a few years. So or it could be both. It could be yes. both. And yes. also because you are a different person now than you were. I mean, that's what we all could say. I'm a different person now than I was when I first started this work. And so to sit and audit level one, two, or three, I hear different things, just like the parables. Exactly. Yeah. It's so neat. I love that you did this as a teenager. And it reminds me of um, Francesca and how the Sophia with these children when they grew up in the atrium, then she started forming them to help in the atrium. So that's really neat that you kind of that you kind of followed that path as well. Elizabeth, did you grow up in the atrium? I did not. And uh, I had my first experience of it through training. 
And so I think because I took training so young, uh, sometimes people go, oh, you must have experienced it as a, a child, but I, I didn't. It really mm. wasn't very available in Iowa at that time. Uh, and so I just came to it in a different at a different time, you know, <laughs> not right. as an adult and not as a as a child of the atrium, but you know, had I gone through, I would have been graduating from level three. And then, you know, that's when I took level one training. So, right. Right. That's really neat that I, I feel like we could almost sit and study people like you who had, who did do the formation as teenagers and how it possibly met or didn't meet your needs when you were in that plane of development, or maybe some adaptations that could be made in order to fill those needs a little bit better. I, it's, could be totally fascinating. I know there's some people who are doing work with that adolescent child. And so I wonder if this is something that they have investigated. I have never looked into it. Maybe a future podcast. Yes. Yeah. I think Karen Maxwell might be able to to speak on that uh, better than I could. But I know for me, they really were so welcoming at an age where Montessori highlights the fact that teenagers, you know, those in their early teens are wanting to reach out and do things beyond the home mm -hmm. and really to have other adults to look to as role models and to be engaged with them in more of a conversational, right. um, less I, of a teacher and being, or a student receiving Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that that completely met that need for me at that time. Uh, and so I've been reflecting on that recently, uh, actually, as I see other, you know, I'm now I'm in a level now I'm a catechist in a level three atrium. And these children are just on the cusp of that, mm -hmm. uh, of that stage of development. And uh, how formative it was for me to have those adults and that environment be one of the primary environments that I was reaching out to, turning out to at that at that age where that's so uh, developmentally appropriate. So right. it was right. a great gift. And as a mother, it was a great gift to see these excellent adults mm. having that influence. Um, you couldn't have asked for a better example for your young daughter um, to, yeah. to move into that plane of development. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine how happy your heart must have been to see mm -hmm. your daughter taking her faith into her own hands and wanting to grow and be formed, especially through such a rich work. But like you said, from, from really people willing to just pour into her, that's reassuring. <laughs> but the, the, child that was a child of the atrium is our youngest, um, Virginia, but she goes by Ginny. And all of the older children will say that Ginny has something special that they don't have because she mm. was a child of the atrium. And I think that's very true. There is a, a relationship with God there that is um, just so beautiful and came at an age where, you know, we know that the youngest child has that just amazing potential. And so, um, also, you know, being happy for Elizabeth, also sad that we didn't have Good Shepherd before then, but we didn't, and I didn't know it existed. So we just, you know, found it by, perchance, you know, mm -hmm. in quotes, of course. Um, so... 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think as parents, we can get caught up in the, what we could have offered, but we each have our own story. And it sounds like, especially for Elizabeth, that God used the story that was put in front of her to form her to his heart. Uh-huh. So then who was involved in the work after Elizabeth? Mary. And Mary was also um, 12 when she asked, but it was with a different formation leader. And she said, I really want you to talk to the national office. And Tina Lillig said, how, who are we to say no mm. when, we, when we don't have anything past age 12 at that point? And mm-hmm. so um, Mary went ahead and was trained um, in level one. And she will tell you that, you know, she absorbed what she could at that age for her maturity and then moved on to level two and then went on to become a teacher and then took level three uh, as she was expecting their first child and finished that up about four years ago and then just finished toddler two years ago. So Mm. she's trained in all four levels and managed to get it done with um, a nursing baby and toddler. (laughs) She did kind of like Liz was saying, it's nice to have it done when you don't have um, a little little brood of chicks at home. (laughs) (laughs) So Deacon Kelly, how did you get involved? Well, I was kind of support staff for many years as you <laughs> heard that uh, you know I wasn't one of the first few that went through training uh, but the uh, the ladies would go off for a, a weekend or sometimes uh, several days to the trainings and then come back with all these stories uh, somewhere you know what what the philosophy was, you know, what Montessori was saying, what Sophia was saying, you know, how the how the catechesis actually worked, and and uh, you know how it went on in the atrium. But then also stories about <clears throat> that the formation leaders were sharing of children they had worked with in the mm-hmm. atrium, and what those children were were doing, and how their their faith life was being deepened. And it was like, there really is an amazing potential at a, a very young age. And it was very much that in the afternoon or the evening, whenever they, the, my Marine and the girls would get home from training, uh, just hours and hours of just beautiful stories. And mm. then, then when they you know, we're working in the atria, the same thing would happen. You know, Wednesday evenings, typically, they would go off to do the CGS at, at a nearby parish, and I would stay home and, and uh, you know, because I was in the middle of house remodeling and, you know, trying mm-hmm. to keep up with the job and so on. So I would uh, turn the stereo on to 8, 9, or 10 volume and add that. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, but then when they would get home, it, it would be a time to, to share all those stories. And it was just really impressive how the Holy Spirit was working not only in my family, but in the, the children in the atrium. And so finally, uh, you know, after all the girls were trained, uh, I kind of begrudgingly, I'll have to admit it, <laughs> At the start, I uh, decided I, 
you know, agreed to essentially <laughs> take training. And it, it was amazing. It was very much a, a retreat-like experience. And then I was, you know, hearing all these stories firsthand and it really made an impression on me. But so I was able to start experiencing things firsthand. And so I began helping uh, in the atrium even before I was fully trained as level one. And it was amazing to, to sit with the children. I remember one one time when, you know, the parents were bringing children, so I was kind of busy out in the hallway, and a few of the children had gone into the prayer table, and Maureen said, you know, go be with the children. I kind of held up my hands like, what do I do? And she said, just talk with them. And <laughs> so I, I went in and spoke in a very quiet, deliberate voice and <laughs> read some scripture, and they were just absolutely enthralled and, you know, just waiting on my every word. And... And of course, it was not me, but the Holy Spirit taking over at that point. And I thought, you know, this is really amazing to to have the Holy Spirit so involved, not only in 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 my heart to be able to do that, but in the children's heart to mm-hmm. you know to listen to to some old guy uh, <laughs> that they didn't really know very well, uh, but they were just hearing the word of God, and that meant so much to them. And so this whole theme of the uh, Holy Spirit heart at work, it was put on my heart during my level one formation that, uh, you know, listen, and I heard the, heard the call to the diaconate. And thinking back, it was more like, you know, if the effect of just presenting the Word of God to these children can have that much impact on them. You know, what about adults? And so I wanted to have that experience and essentially use the diaconate as a tool for evangelization, but to be able to present the Word of God and let the, the Word, you know, through the Holy Spirit, you know, take over. You know, I, I didn't have any, you know, great speaking abilities or even that great of interpersonal abilities such that I could, you know, go in and win over a, a room full of, of people like, like some can, uh, you know, some, you know, I'm not a salesman by any means, mm-hmm. but I could see it, that the Holy Spirit was just so working in the children. And I, I wanted to say, okay, maybe I can, I can, uh, partner up with the Holy Spirit and do something like that through the diaconate. And so after level one formation, then I went through the diaconate formation with Maureen. She was with me there all the way and uh, ordained in 2018 and been serving at a parish uh, in Norwalk ever since. It's beautiful. And I begin, you know, when I preach, I begin all my homilies with the Holy Spirit prayer. So that just, just so touched me when you began our our session here this afternoon uh, with the Holy Spirit prayer because that's really what's at work here and and would not happen without the the Holy Spirit hard at work. Right, right. And I just have to say that his homilies are very 
good shepherd ish. <laughs> um, That's our, a new word. <laughs> yes, I, I make up words. And um, um, there is a local trainer whose parents go to our parish, and she heard one of Kelly's homilies and said, Oh, it's so awesome to hear a homily from a trained Good Shepherd catechist. Um, And it just permeates everything Kelly does. So it's very, very amazing. And I love to watch him as he prepares the chalice at Mass. Usually there's the offertory and, you know, things going on and people aren't really watching. But I, I love how he very intentionally drops that one drop of water into the chalice. It just, it just warms my heart every time. I was just going to say, God, that touches my heart because it's so true that it's not just the children, but all of us absorb the delicacy in Uh which the priests and deacons care for all of the things surrounding the Eucharist. Like Uh it speaks so much volume about what we are dealing with. There was a beautiful priest that we worked with in Haiti, and he was so reverent, so reverent to the point where um, I'm sure you've seen other priests do this, but whenever they touch the host, he will not use those fingers that touch Jesus to touch anything else until he has washed because mm-hmm. he does not even want a speck of Jesus to be un you know reverenced mm-hmm. and it the ch- my children absorbed the importance of the Eucharist from watching how he cared for it so it just touches my heart to see how you speak about your formation has taught you or or maybe it was other things as well but at least it was a contributing variable in how your demeanor how your gestures how your consonants altogether speaks about what it is that we are dealing with here. Absolutely. Oh, it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Are there anything else from your work with the children or from your formation that has affected your work as a deacon? Well, I, in, in any interaction with the children, I am a better listener Mm. because I understand that I can say something and that they can also have just recently experienced something that will be on their on their minds, and so you know, <laughs> yeah, I I will ask ask questions. I wonder, uh, you know, of course that that was uh, a big part of formation is to you know just ask questions, you know, not quiz, but just you know right. put thoughts out there and let the let the children ponder. And you know, give them a chance to do so. So quiet is a is a good thing. Yeah. You know, when, when especially a child, but also adults. You know, if they have the chance to ponder quietly and just rest with the Lord, you know, so much so much good can come of that. So we all all need that time. Yeah, I love that. I want to come hear one of your homilies. <laughs> so then, how many members of y'all's family? are formed in CGS? Well, our immediate family, six of the seven. So we have <laughs> we have four daughters and a son. And our son is the, the director of evangelization and faith formation at a parish in Ames, Iowa. And he actually brought back Good Shepherd to that parish just this year. But he has not done the actual training. But all four of our daughters eventually were trained. Um, so it sounds like six, but almost seven. 
almost your immediate seven. family. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's been swimming in it anyways, so <laughs> he should get like an honorary certificate. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, when, you, when you have to hear about Catechese the Good Shepherd at every family gathering yeah. for 20 yeah. years, then you... <laughs> Then you get an honorary degree. (laughs) You always know you've gotten to a certain point in your dedication to the work when I I would say my spouse, when he starts telling other people about it, even though he's never been to formation. So when you start hearing your brother telling other people about how great it is, even though he's never been to formation, there's you've reached a level of commitment. (laughs) Okay, so Elizabeth, you actually have a special role with CGS. Also, would you speak about what you do with CGS? USA? Sure. I am very honored to be one of the seven board members um, for CGS USA Board of Trustees. I have now been almost, oh, actually two years, two years now I've been on the board and it has been such a gift. And I have been really just amazed by the board members that I have served with. We talk about how we're, you know, consultants for the association. One of our roles is fundraising um, and just being ambassadors for the association. And so everyone has their own way of doing that. Everyone who's on the board brings their own gifts. And I think that's one of the things that I've been so surprised by. And everyone is giving their own unique gifts in in this board of people who has an overarching similar role, but everyone brings their own unique gifts to it. And and that is something that's been really encouraged too, is kind of discerning what, what gifts you bring to the board and what kind of your particular role is within the board. That's awesome. And there's a nomination happening, or you can nominate people to be on the board right now. Is that what's going on? Yes, yes, that is right. And so we really encourage you to prayerfully consider if, you know, you yourself might be called to serve on the board, or if you know someone that might be willing to answer the call to serve on the board. I was asked by one of my uh, fellow board members after I'd been on the board for a few months to share my story about how I felt the call to be on the on the board and I said well really I I first said no and <laughs> tried to point you know and and say oh this person would be very good on the board or that person would be very good you know kind of there are people who are far more qualified than I am and that is still true and so I ended up saying you know I just am going to say I feel like I'm called to say yes to being nominated and then I'm going to just kind of trust the election <laughs> process. And surely, surely people will recognize that there are other people more qualified and, you know, the, the members of CGS USA, as they're invited to vote, somebody else will be voted in if that's God's will. And I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit. But I felt just called to say yes to the next step. And now I'm on the board. <laughs> so, um, But I think that it that it is something where you might easily think I'm not qualified for this. I, there are other people far more qualified or I don't have time for this. And it's something I think more that you need to reflect on if you're called to it. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, and so I used to work with a catechist who was the formation formation director and I was her assistant. And sometimes we would be, you know, down to the wire on something. And she would say to me, because I'm a perfectionist. So she would say to me, you know what done is better than perfect. Um, and so mm. what I reflected on with the call to the board was called is better than perfect. Mm. And certainly I'm not perfect for the board. I still think there are other people more qualified than I am, but I felt, but I felt called, you know, maybe someone out there is feeling called too. And that's why I wanted to speak to the fact that the board and the national director really are so good at looking at what people's individual gifts are and then inviting them to share those gifts on the board. And so you might be surprised to find that you have gifts that the board could really use. Right. Right. I love that line called is better than perfect. I love that. Mm. Which reminds me of something that has been on my heart that I didn't even think about talking about today, but I feel like I am being asked to use Kelly and I have talked about this at length, and I actually talked to Mary Marioni and Karen Maxwell. They were in Iowa recently about this call to maybe use our some of our farmland that we own to build a training center of some, some type. And my <laughs> kind of goofy thing is if you build it, they will come. And mm-hmm. um, But it is the thing that keeps being said. And I told Mary Marioni, I felt very overwhelmed by it. And she said, well, he didn't tell you you had to do it all. He just said you had to build it if you Mm. build it. And so that is something that we are trying to prayerfully discern. What's our next step in all of that? Because again, it's, it, it keeps coming up and it's not going away. And with the (laughs) pandemic, I thought, oh, well, you know, now that, that whole thing is going away. (laughs) You thought you got an out. (laughs) I did. I did. And um, it keeps coming back up again. So we'll we'll see. There's um, the Holy Spirit really at work in central Iowa. There's a lot of um, new young leaders rising up. It's a very exciting time to see the enthusiasm, I guess, from uh, uh, the, the younger generation, the 30 30 somethings, you know, are really rising to, yeah. The called is better than perfect. Yes, yes. (laughs) Well, I will definitely be praying for y'all's discernment, Maureen and Kelly. And I invite all of our listeners to be praying for that discernment as well. That's, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful Uh call. Uh Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate all of y'all's individual yeses, but also your whole family yes. It's such a beautiful yes. And thank you for sharing it with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. You're welcome. It was really fun, Carrie, to get to talk with you. It was very fun to talk to y'all too. It was. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Please help us spread the word about the podcast. Share it with a friend. Like it on your podcast app. Add a little comment. Let us know what you think. Help us spread the word so that we can reach more and more people. For all of our listeners who are members of the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, you are able to participate in the nominations to the CGS USA Board of Trustees. Now, 
This closes this Saturday, October 1st, 2022. So if after praying about it and thinking about it, you feel that you are being called by God to be part of the board. Go onto our show notes and you can see information on how to do nominations. Or if you know somebody who you think would be a really great nomination, go look on our show notes. Please take this into prayer and see if God is calling you to this work. Now, one of the benefits of being a member is being able to be on the board and also being able to vote for the board. So if you are a member of CGS USA, you will be getting an email that will include how to vote for our new board. And we are having our annual meeting Wednesday, November 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And this will be again via Zoom. So this meeting is actually for everyone. Even if you're not a member, you are invited to participate in our annual meeting. So I will have information for that all in our show notes. So if you are interested in being on the board, nominating someone for the board, voting for the board, or participating in our annual meeting, go check out the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all our contributing members because you are making this podcast possible. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.